0: Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. This is episode 81 of the Swallow Pride podcast, and today's guest is Christina Kong. She is an SLP and singing voice specialist in the Department of Otorhinolaryngology at Mayo Clinic in Arizona. She's an instructor of speech pathology in the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine. Christina lectures domestically and internationally on topics involving voice and swallowing disorders. She conducts research in chronic cough, muscle tension dysphagia, and use of alternative medicine for treatment of muscle tension dysphonia. She received her Master's of Music degree from the University of Connecticut, Master's of Science degree in Communication Science and Disorders from Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions, she received training in voice disorders at Mass General Hospital Voice Center and completed her clinical fellowship at the University of Kentucky Clinical Voice Center. Christina is a classically trained mezzo-soprano and an expert vocal instructor. She's also a yogi and an artist, and she had some beautiful paintings in the background when I was interviewing her, so I hope you guys love this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I just wanted to share with you that through the end of this month, so through the end of March... Uh, We have that MedBridge promo going on again. So if you join MedBridge, go to medbridgeeducation.com forward slash SYP. You can join MedBridge and be upgraded to their premium plan for free. So it's $95 for one full calendar year. And with MedBridge, you get access to lots and lots and lots of recorded webinar CEUs. So I'm not sure the exact amount. I'm not going to say unlimited because I know I used to say that and that's that's misleading. So I don't want to say that, but there's lots and lots and lots in there. And there's lots for dysphagia, there's for voice, there's cognitive communication aphasia. So all different areas of medical speech pathology that we all work with. So um, aside from the plethora of ASHA CEUs that you are able to get through their website, they also have patient handouts. They also have a patient portal where The patient actually gets a login and they can go in and look at the exercises that you've chosen for them to do with some video demos. And it's really a great interactive patient experience. And there is also a mobile app. So I know sometimes I like to put on one or two of these in the background when I'm driving between seeing all my patients. So this deal is going on through the end of March. So if you use that promo code SYP, or if you go to medbridgeeducation.com forward slash SYP. You will be upgraded to the premium plan, which includes all these features for only $95 for one full calendar year. When you do use the promo code SYP, I do get a small commission that goes back into keeping this podcast running beautifully. So um, hope you guys take advantage of that. Additionally, I wanted to tell you about Walt Fritz's Foundations in Myofascial Release Seminar for Neck Voice and Swallowing Disorders. I actually do mention this a little bit in this episode with Christina, but Walt works from a strong evidence-based and unique patient-centered approach to evaluation and treatment. His seminars have been well-received in the U.S. and afar. He introduces a manual therapy style of engagement to therapists with no experience in manual therapy, as well as seasoned pros. The introductory seminar covers a range of areas and techniques with value for both the the SLP working with swallowing, voice, both dysfunctional as well as performance voice, and a range of issues such as globus and breath issues. So, if you're interested in signing up for one of his seminars, you can enter the code SWALLOWYOURPRIDE, all one word, at checkout for a 10% discount from his website, www.waltfritz.com. And that is an affiliate link. So I do get a small commission of that that goes back into keeping this wonderful podcast running for all of you. So without further ado, I hope you guys love this episode with Christina. Hello, Christina. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm Christina Kahn. I'm a speech-language
1: pathologist in Mayo Clinic, Arizona, in the Department of Autorhinal Laryngology. A little mouthful, ENT. Yes. <laughs>
0: I've
1: been there six years and I service
0: the population in your nose, and throat. Okay. So is that mostly inpatient or outpatient or a little bit of both? That's definitely outpatient. We okay. do have an inpatient neurology-based SLP group in Mayo Clinic. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. All right. So I'm so excited to talk about this today. What what are we going to talk about? It's called muscle
1: tension dysphagia, and it's a, a clinical taxonomy that we created in 2016. I came up uh, with this diagnosis with Dr. David Lott, who is our laryngologist.
0: All right, beautiful. So I know you know everybody knows about muscle tension dysphonia. That's so right. I'm sure that had something to do with this this phrase. Actually, no. All right. Cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, will, I will go through it. Um, so what, what I started
1: noticing is a group of patients who would get a video fluoroscopic swallow study, complaining that they can't swallow. And um, they've gone through multiple providers. Some have had multiple swallow studies and they all come out normal. And, but they'll consistently complain of not being able to swallow a sensation like the food is sticking in their throat. And many of them do complain about globus, which is like a lump in the throat sensation. And there's just a lot of effort in swallowing. And some say their neck is just really tight when they swallow. And some even develop neuroticism in terms of swallowing they're afraid of swallowing but uh many of them do have other throat issues such as dysphonia or chronic cough vocal for vocal dysfunction and you know globus being a huge one so after being there a while i thought this is really strange because one of my patients even saw five different ent provider and he was like at his wits end and yeah that really emotional for him and they were sending him to psychology and they were basically saying it's all in your head and you know, I don't like it when we put the onus on the patient when yeah. we can't find solutions. So I, I did um, a retro, retrospective study of 18 months. I went over 600, nearly 600 um, video fluoroscopic swallow studies and then used MVSINP. inp We do that as a protocol anyway. Beautiful. Awesome. And then um, identified 67 completely normal swallows with no esophageal retention and, and looked at all their charts. Of course, this is IRB-directed and approved. And then... Um, Common denominator with all these patients, what in ENT exam was laryngeal muscle tension. So, uh, patients who come from outside of Mayo Clinic, many, have been, many of them have been evaluated, and all their ENT records say, oh, no cancer, no lumps or bumps, you know, there's no organic pathology. So, it must be in your head. And that's just really discerning because, yeah. you know, it's just really sad. And when I looked at the exams, except for one person, they had all this supraglottic tension, what I mean by that is the above the vocal folds, you know, the ventricular folds are just squeezing in medial laterally. It could be circumferential, like completely blocked up like a purse string. And they're doing this with phonation. And um, where even when they're not phonating, many of them, um, you know, show the signs of vocal cord dysfunction with the um, vocal folds twitching at rest, breathing greater than 20%. And um, a lot of them are coughers and a great, great, uh, more than 50% of them also showed uh, signs of what we call laryngopharyngeal reflux. Yep. But since we can't prove that, we just call it non-specific laryngeal inflammation. <laughs> That's wow. why this is in the paper. Um, and also just you no know, blaring um, problems with the larynx, but just it looks scared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. Scared. So, do you,
0: so do you think are the... Did you look at this on fees? You can do this on fees as okay. well because I'm just wondering my my fees brain is going to you know I see a lot of these exact yeah. you know anatomical and physiological symptoms that you're talking about and mm. immediately my brain goes to laryngopharyngeal reflux disease but right. you're saying that there's similarities in that they could be this <laughs> muscle tension dysphagia Yeah wow okay And if you or your facility are interested in purchasing a true high-definition endoscopy system created specifically for SLPs by an SLP for conducting fees studies, please check out our wonderful sponsor, that's EndoHD, www.ndohd.com forward slash contact. They provide true high-definition fees imaging with an HD image display and capture, crisp color image, unsurpassed digital clarity. HD image with better resolution than legacy systems, and you can view the details of patient anatomy with double the resolution of standard definition video. So, please check them out. That's www.ndohd.com/contact to discuss your specific fee systems requirements, pricing, or to request a live product demonstration. So, what?
1: What? So, when once I've recognized that um, the you know various numbers of these patients, I out of. Out of all the video florals I, I saw, we identified 67 with normal swallow, and then 64% were women. Wow. Uh, and then the various age range, but the mean is you know above 50. And then um 18% have no signs of any kind of inflammation or okay. any itching. So they were just primarily tense in their throat. And then um and fifty-five percent had hoarseness. So it it didn't um you know, it didn't mean that you had to have most attention dysphonia with this problem. Okay. Um, and then um, 52% had signs of LPR, but didn't respond to previous, you know, uh, PPI therapy. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then the funny thing is, I mean, uh, only 40% were referred to speech pathologists But then only 16% followed up the recommendation because they thought, I don't have a problem with speech.
0: Right, 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 right. Right,
1: right. right. And then 13 13 of the 16 that followed up actually had um, 100% recovery through having um, voice therapy. How cool. Voice therapy, um, you know, you'll be targeting unloading laryngeal muscle tension either manually with circumlaryngeal massage or like semi vocal tract exercises or just simply targeting their voice and resonant voice just really solved everything. How cool. And, and this is with people who try PPIs. So this has nothing to do with really just having a reflux disease. Yeah. Um, so because, and then I started looking into literature and saw that there is something called neuropathic pain. All right. So you know how we have nociceptor pain and neuropathic pain, and then when we have neuropathic pain, that's when the brain has actually altered the process of you know, looking at pain, right? Okay. And um, when in, laryn- in larynx, what happens is that um, it starts to have neuropathic kind of um, similarities, and when you have a neuropathy, you start to imagine stimulation, and then you start to um, over-exaggerate minor stimulation. And third, you could even like take harmless things and you know observe it as noxious. And so that's what happens in the um, neuropathic situation. And um, we call it paresthesia, allodinia, and things like that. And that's really well described in neuropathic pain literature. Right. And- in the ter- in terms of larynx, they complain about the sticky sensation or tickling in the throat, choking, or like the perpetual I can't get rid of this mucus. But put the scope in there, there's no there's mucus. There's nothing.
0: Wow. wow. So,
1: but once we do the laryngeal manipulation and whatnot, they say that ah, that mucus sensation is you know gone. So what I realize is that oh my goodness, muscle tension in the larynx mimics the sensation of mucus. That's wild. And so, yeah. yeah. So the understanding um, laryngeal paresthesia, you know, neuropathic pain was huge for me, and um, it's, it really makes sense because think about the throat is the most important organ in terms of protecting our breathing mechanism, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have like just uncountable number of sensory nerve endings in there. You know, you, they look at the um, underside of the epiglottis, the laryngeal side, and it, it has what we call taste buds. But it's not for tasting; it's actually sensing chemicals other than saline, pH balance. So the larynx has so many mechanism mechanism to protect us from actually like you know hurting the lungs, right? Yeah when any of that gets damaged through reflux or, you know, those poor people in 9-11, you know, uh, poor society, they were like exposed to chemical dust and everything. So the sensory nerve endings get damaged. And then because sensory function and motor function go hand in hand, the motor function is always going to um, follow what the sensory function tells it to do. So in this case, the sensory function is hyper, hyper um, sensing. So it's going to tell wrong information to the motor function. So the motor function being our throat is always going to be on alert and just hold on to this muscle tension. It's like tennis player, always pacing. They they can they just can't sit still, you know? And then when you're on a, Tense mode is going to throw off the normal coordination of what we do in terms of voicing, swallowing, and breathing wow so that cool. that 's basically um what we discovered and, and thanks to a lot of the literature out there and um, Anne Vertigen has done great work in um, identifying laryngeal hypersensitivity there 's a lot in the cough literature, and so much is known about reflux disease in terms of what it does to the throat, even though the the gastroenterology um, world don't believe in reflux. Ah! Yeah, they don't believe in laryngeal <laughs> Oh reflux. my God, yeah. It's problem. Yeah. They're like, oh, you no know, patient had a pH test and there's no reflux. But they, you know, most people don't know is up to 50 episodes considered normal limits. But in the throat, if you have reflux even up to four times, it, it's a disaster, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then um, it's so, so interesting that, they don't acknowledge the presence of pepsin. Well researched, you know what it does to the um, laryngeal sensory cells and whatnot, and changes how it actually functions, and it gets it can get inflamed in the throat based on your diet, etc. So. Uh, I know I'm jumping through a lot because there's a lot of information. That's okay. That's okay. But, you know, um, people come in and, but I take PPI, you know, I take twice a day, 40 milligrams and blah, blah. And then go, well, what do you actually put in your body though? And then you listen to them and they're drinking multiple coffee per day, soda pop and just alcohol every night with dinner. And I'm just like, "Mm -hmm." you know, i don 't think you understand the role of acid you know acid is there as a key to a lock, lock being the enzyme in the stomach, and then pepsin known to um, uh, digest protein is an enzyme, and we find it in the middle ear, in the in the, in the, in the and then like wrecking havoc in, in the nasal cavities and whatnot when you 're sleeping flat down. So I have to give them a lot of behavior on dietary modification to manage laryngopharyngeal reflux. Without that, the patients who actually show signs of LPR don't do well. So even though they have tried PPI before, if they don't do dietary modification, there's really no point. They don't realize that acid is just acid. It's not really doing anything else. Just because you reduce acid production doesn't mean it's not going to do its job. OK. Yeah. Uh, so. Thank <laughs> you for I mean, saying that. Yeah, we, yeah, we had Dr. Yeah.
0: Aviv on earlier last year, and he talked about his the Acid Watch Diet book. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I
1: I have helped like hundreds of people with that book. And of course, I have used other books before, but I, I find that this is a, like, a little bit easier recipe. Yeah. To follow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that how he focuses on anti-inflammation from head to toe. Yeah you're like inflamed in the stomach where else are you inflamed you know so I really like his holistic approach yeah
0: yeah yeah so glad you had him on yeah yeah, yeah he was yeah. great I think he's got a cookbook coming out any really? day now yeah <laughs> okay. I don't know if I was supposed to say that or not but I did. Okay. But, <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> but wow yeah wow how cool okay so so let's back up a little bit Christina so so you guys are are, are Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm understanding this Mm -hmm. correctly, but so the muscle tension dysphagia is caused by something that's creating these sensory receptors to kind of go wild. Is that what you guys were thinking? Right.
1: So whatever causes laryngeal muscle tension is the etiology. Okay. So we just did a I just submitted another um, manuscript to otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery. It's like a prospective study called Muscle Tension Dysphagia Treatment Efficacy. I hope we get beautiful. Yes, hope we, get we hope started. you do too. Yay. <laughs> yeah. but, but um with this study, because in the because in the retrospective study we realized the absence of like a gastroenterology proven um, Denial of any gastro etiology. So we had to call out. I had to like literally have every patient agree to do every gastro testing just to rule out anything sinister. So we were able to do it with 20 people. I was hoping more for like 100, but yeah. we agreed to do it. Yeah, so yeah. It's is better than nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> and then the etiology that we identified were various post viral neuropathy after having an upper respiratory infection. We ended up wow. having like a vagus nerve neuropathy. And then, of course, reflux was there. Um, uh, anxiety disorder, in um, depression. Huge was cervical trauma from motor vehicle accident.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I could understand that
1: one. Yeah. We had to send them out to physical therapy and many of them are already seeing a good chiropractor The chiropractor. I know people can think can get really scared of the manipulation and whatnot, but really good chiropractors nowadays act like physical therapists or work with physical therapy to help the patient really um, recover. And, um, and simple muscle tension dysphonia was up there too. And cough BCD, and, and then to what the underlying theme here is, anything that makes the, the larynx hyposensitive, hyper-functioning or hypo-functioning, even not, not breathing well when they talk, just really can set off the excess muscle tension. Okay. And, um, you know, I always—I'm a singing voice specialist, you know. So I'm—I'm I'm an opera singer. Oh wow, awesome! <laughs> As a voice teacher, when I always, um, what I always tell my students is that if the body is underworking, your larynx will suffer is what I always tell them. And so if you're talking like, you know, hi, how are you? Just not breathing at all. What do you first feel? It's tension in the throat, right? And nowadays with our population, not having a proper vocal function, everybody's like engaging in glottal fry because they think that's 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 a cool way to do it. (laughs) Actually, I teach people how not to do that. And they're like, they get teased by other people because they sound nasal, even though it's a normal voice. Wow, yeah. It's a huge problem in our our society right now in terms of vocal perception. But what they realize is that their body has to support the laryngeal function. So that was up there too. So what's important is there's primary muscle tension dysphagia and there's secondary muscle tension dysphagia. The secondary, just like you know, primary and secondary muscle tension dysphagia, you know, Kitty Verderlini came up with that diagnosis book, right? I forgot what it's called. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so when there's no organic pathology in the larynx to attribute to, then it's obviously, to primary. And um, this is amazing because you're looking at individual people and understanding why they're holding tension. And um, I personally don't believe in isolated muscle tension. When I see people with, like, a lot of neck tension and looking at head-to-toe Alexander technique, and I and I have them be aware of where else they're holding tension, a lot of times it's because they're hurting somewhere else or or just... I have had a patient who couldn't say what she wanted to say in an abusive relationship. And so she was holding a lot of attention here. And like, how many people go to a funeral and actually have a normal voice, right? Right, right, right. The larynx, we know, is a barometer for emotional, mental, physical stress. And so you really have to look at each person individually. You know, I, know, I know in Western medicine, we like to group people into maturity. This helps in clinical studies and whatnot. But really, what if you don't fit in that? Yeah. And then are you gonna be just rolled out and not be taken taken care of? So with this um new diagnosis, people who weren't getting answers before or getting no help at least were being offered individualized treatment plan. And you know, I say if you can get to at least 80% relief, that's success.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and then of course, there's a lot to be done in terms of educating the patient so they, you know, take over the the treatment. And they become a therapist for their own body, and a lot of times they uh, they finish the therapy and they go, "Wow, I—it this is so much more than just fixing my throat. It really changed me as a person," and I—and that's really um,
0: scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I hope it was for good.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. But I mean, but think about the impact you're having on these patients' lives, Christina. I mean, that's what I just love about our field. I mean. And yeah. it, sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day, but we really have really cool jobs that are really yeah. impactful. So,
1: yeah. awesome. And um, I, I, there's just so much information on this. So the paper that pu- was published is called Muscle Tension, Dysphagia, Symptomology, and Thio- Theoretical Framework. It was in otolaryngology head and neck surgery, June 2016. And um, that paper, I mean, I was reading it again this morning just so I, be, I can prep, but there's so much in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best thing
0: is to just read it. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. We, we yeah. can tell people to do that. Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> and hopefully the, the prospective study gets published. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, But um, I think if, if this is a pretty interesting diagnosis in that if you know the swallow study is normal, I mean, with fees, Yes, you can look at a swallow function that way, but uh, I I prefer to do video floral because I get to see it from mouth all the way down, even do a sweep in the esophagus because a lot of times if you have a esophageal retention, people will point to their throat yeah. as this you know place of um, discomfort. And that, when that happens, GI of course, and I yeah. have I have helped patients who have esophageal cancer. Yeah. And then, you know, if they did video floral. If you didn't do a sweep down and didn't see, you know, if you didn't identify retention and you couldn't refer, then how much longer would they have, have, have had that symptom? Yeah. So that's our, our job is really, really important. I know a lot of um, radiologists don't want to do a sweep, but I really insist on it. And I have to show them the paper and give them clinical case studies and
0: then, then they'll do it. But Good. beautiful. Is there, mm-hmm. is there a specific paper you provide to them? Uh of course, my paper <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. excellent excellent yeah.
1: and then or, or like i um i I have them view a uh, patient chart with me, and they, this patient with its follow study within and guess but he now has a speech for esophageal cancer and I'm like, yeah. okay yeah, that's yeah. down there's nothing wrong with that or if or if they insist, just you know refer them to a that's what they like to do basically start off with an esophogram, gotcha, yeah.
0: All right. Beautiful, Christina. Okay. So, so help me think about this muscle tension dysphagia diagnosis, essentially. Is there actually a dysphagia component in that they can't, they cannot swallow, they're having trouble swallowing, or it's just this globus tightness feeling? Like, are they still able to swallow? Okay. Or is it just, yeah. Okay.
1: Completely normal. (laughs) Completely normal results, oral Yes, But what I have realized is that because they're afraid of the discomfort in swallowing in the throat, they hesitate to swallow. Okay, So it becomes fear of swallowing. And when that happens, they just chew, 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 and they won't initiate swallow. And so what I have done is I use motor learning theory, and I will have them put your hand out in front of you, and it's twisted as you swallow. So they get distracted and they can actually swallow and they're not having to persevere on the sensation of swallowing. Yeah. And it's okay, they can, they can even cough right after swallowing. It, it's just something irritating in the throat for them. The swall- act of swallowing has become such a nuisance for them that the brain is hyper vigilance. like, what are you doing? Gotcha. You know, cough and things like that. So there is no reason, no rhyme or reason why they couldn't swallow, but they go to... Provider saying i can't swallow
0: yeah okay that does make sense so so yeah. so i i know do you guys work with psych like do you think there is any sort of psych component to that or you think it's more just working out the muscle tension
1: you have to work out the muscle tension and i also encourage them to retrain the brain okay yeah and um Kind of like, you know how you have a, a BCD patient who just can't handle smell, yeah, perfume and whatnot, and yep. ultimately you tell them to avoid irritation and, and then the, you heal the larynx, you teach them breathing exercises. But ultimately the success lies in the patient being able to get introduced to the noxious smell again. And so... I myself have vocal cord dysfunction. <laughs> so what I had to do was literally go to a perfume counter and then literally tell my brain, this is just perfume. There's nothing noxious about this. And then yeah. I would retrain myself into being able to tolerate smell again. Same thing happens with swallow. As you're swallowing, I tell my patients too, this is just a normal action, and you understand why you've been having these problems. So you have to retrain the brain as you swallow don't make a big deal of it. Do other things to distract yourself. Like when we tell patients to don't get distracted when they swallow. You know, with other elements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One time I tell them, do yeah. get distracted." Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, little by little, little day, we train the brain to be not so hypersensitive. But it, it is neuropathy. Neuropathy, like I said, you can you can feel things without yeah. having any stimulation. Yeah.
0: How cool. So do you guys do, do you work closely with PT and do like myofascial release and things like that? Is that a component sure. of it too? Okay. Sure. Whatever it
1: takes to help yeah. patients release that gen- general muscle tension. I, like I said, not just the throat. I mean, sometimes I don't even have to work on the throat because the actually I can't because many patients don't want to be touched in the throat. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then I can approach from, like, I, I notice really tight upper trapezius and scalenes and, like, sternocleidomastoid, and I would just really work from the outside in. But if they're really, like, jittery type, I do have to send them out to physical therapy and then they'll address it there. If they're jittery to that point, of course, they're difficult to work with. Yeah. But I do my best to educate them. Yeah. And then so that, I okay, so I think people get really nervous. When they don't know what's wrong, yeah, and yeah. many of them are like they're not anxious people to begin with, but having a problem that they just can't put a finger on makes them anxious. So right. they become anxious even though they're not an anxious type of people, you know. Right. So do I send them to psych? Not, no, I have not sent one okay. to psych yet, but I do have had people who came from psych. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Those yeah.
0: Well, I think especially going through the whole gamut of testing and finding out that there's nothing wrong, exactly. quote unquote, per se on a test, yeah. but no, lady, I have this feeling like there is something yeah. wrong. Yeah.
1: Right. It's and so, then how many times have we heard of people who have gone through so many testing and when they finally get a diagnosis, they feel relieved, even though it's
0: a detrimental diagnosis to right, people. Right, right. Like, oh, at least I know what it is. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Make yeah. a plan and attack it. Yeah. 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 Oh, how cool, Christina! I love this. This is so cool. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's, it's a pretty difficult
1: concept to concept to grasp. So what what would help is do a swallow study, and if it's normal, and if you don't have esophageal retention, and then it is best if they come from GI referral actually, because GI says, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with this patient." Yay! Yeah. And yeah. The, the referral, scope the throat. Nothing wrong with the throat. In the swallow study, you see the function is all intact. They may hesitate to initiate swallow, but that's not because it's an oral deficit. It's because they're scared to swallow. If you see that and then do a little bit of laryngeal manipulation, do a circumlaryngeal massage, you know, on the, the tongue-based um, muscle tension release, and see how they feel after doing even five minutes of that. I mean, literally five minutes a lot of times is what it takes for them to feel like, wow, I can swallow better. Wow. And then if that's the case okay they they could benefit from
0: SLP intervention. Wow. How cool. All right. Thanks so much for sharing that Christina. Oh. All right. What did we skip anything? What where are we?
1: Okay, so um I I talked about laryngeal hyperfunction and how the sensory and motor function has an interplay. And in reaction to an aberrant sensory stimulus, the larynx becomes hyperresponsive or hypo-responsive. And um, in term, in acid reflux induced laryngeal inflammation, there are they are um, me, their mechanosensitivity goes down, but their chemosensitivity goes up. This is why when they smell something, they react stronger than normal people. And um, when the, the Peripheral sensory nerve injury happens in the larynx. There's neuroplastic changes, which um, the somatosensory information is distorted. And then uh, it Im- involves reorganiz- or reorganization of um, structures processing noxious information in the brain. So this is in the paper Jensen, by Translation of Symptoms and Signs into Mechanism and in Neuropathic Pain, pain literature in 2003. And so this explains why our patients um, really feel all aberrant sensation in the throat and think about it though they may be complaining of dysphonia and then they will be sent to speech pathologist right yep be complaining of other things like cough or breathing and they'll get to see us but if they complain of dysphagia to someone and they do a swallow study it's normal and that it ends right there then it ends there, yeah there lies in the problem gotcha <laughs> yeah so we really can help so many people. And um, there's multitude of literature out there that um, shows evidence of patients improving with speech intervention, even with LPR. And so I think it'd be huge as the patient to really get our help. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, another thing interesting, there is something called Rome Foundation, like in Rome, Italy, but it's actually in the United States. Okay. <laughs> and then um, their classification of functional uh, swallowing disorder does not involve GERD. Oh. But our study um, identified that GERD is a contributing factor. And uh, in our prospective study too, what um, we realized is that, yes, if you have GERD and that can cause the larynx to hyperfunction, that doesn't mean that this is not muscle tension dysphagia because you can have muscle tension dysphonia with GERD too, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, the key point here is to really listen to the patient. And what is the patient complaining of? Put aside your notion of disease presentation. I mean, yes, I have had like dysphagia specialists, but that's not dysphagia. Well, <laughs> patient is saying dysphagia. They're yeah. saying they're having swallow problems. They're going to providers. They're wasting money seeing people, multiple providers who are really say that they're not experiencing
0: dysphagia. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Very patient-centered diagnosis, and I think it really helps, helps individualized. Yeah. So tell me, Christina. So who do you get most of your referrals from? So I'm I'm guessing that you have a great relationship with the E.N.T.s that you work with. So I'm guessing you get referrals from them. Sure. Too. Yeah. Oh, believe
1: it or not, we have uh, at least five surgeons, five okay. providers,
0: and then we have
1: about nine physician assistants, and they they like they're amazing and then um, of course we have residents and these and so we're looking at over over a dozen provider and they all have to be educated yeah Mm -hmm. And the reason why there was so little of an SLP referral is because most of the referrals came from providers who are familiar with laryngology. They knew what supraglottic tension was and what it does to the throat and function. And So if you were um, not involved in that, if you're like just head and neck surgery kind of person and you don't really look at function, of course, you you don't think about referral to um, a rehab you know and um once the word got out then the gastroenterology when they had patients who had no problem in their esophagus but they're saying okay they're they're having trouble swallowing and then they started sending them out to ent and then we filtered filtered them out that way now we're getting it even from pulmonology and allergy beautiful
0: yay (laughs)
1: family medicine you know so it's it's uh i think um the family Medicine practitioners have to be really alert about these things. And it's really, they're the the gateway into sending the patients to the right studies and providing absolutely. And then um, what's sad is when patients come from outside ENT and it says nothing about the function of the larynx, just no lumps or bumps, there's no cancer, good to go. That's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not just you know, ideology. We're not just lumps or
0: bumps. We we are like breathing from head to toe right. functional beings, And you need to recognize that. Right. I don't remember who it was. I, somebody was on the podcast and they were talking about, they brought one of the, one of the hospitalists in when they did a fees and, and, and the doctor was just floored when he actually saw the larynx moving he had only just seen like still images of it. Uh And he was like, I, I've never seen it move like that before. Like what's going on? He's like, this is normal. This is what goes on every day when you talk, when you swallow. And it was like, just blew his mind that someone that was working with this Uh
1: mechanism
0: basically had never seen it move like this, you know? So it's, it's mind blowing that we think that our doctor colleagues have this information, but they just might not. So yeah,
1: and another thing is if you if you tell people to put their hand on their throat and then swallow, and they get really freaked out when it moves yeah. up to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then when I get my voice patient, especially singers who think their larynx on, is on a pedestal, they start. When I, mean, I manipulate them, and they're like freaking out because it's moving and cracking, yeah. and they're just like rose down yeah and i really have to bring them down to earth and i say you know i'm sorry your vocal fold is a sphincter where do you have one yeah yeah there
0: you (laughs) go and they're like they get really embarrassed yeah (laughs) oh i love it christina oh that's great so did you have to personally did you do a lot of education as far as like in services and things like that with those with all those doctors and family medicine doctors awesome yeah
1: well the i in what since the paper came out and then. we we have a really great relationship with our, pro- our providers, and that we like always communicate. It, I never feel like I'm serving a doctor. You know, yeah. they, we're just great partners. Great. And all you have to mention is, hey, there is something called this. And you know, if you ever question somebody, you know, then just, just it it doesn't hurt the patient to see one of us. Right. And then it, when you talk to them, don't say you're seeing a speech-language pathologist because you have a speech problem. It's just what they're called, but they're right. going to help you swallow. Just right. educate them on our role as well. And, and since then, I have given talks um, in conferences and been invited to you know other organizations to discuss this a little more. And so it's been really helpful, and it's becoming a vernacular.
0: Awesome. I love yeah. it. I, I love hearing when SLPs are going outside of our organization to give talks, too, because I think you know, it's, we're learning how much cool stuff we can do, but once we can get our colleagues to realize how much cool stuff we can do, yeah. <laughs> it's even better. Yeah. So, yeah. and then um,
1: it's, it's kind of sad that our, our, in medical speech language pathology, yet when we talk about our title really doesn't reflect the, the diversity
0: of our scope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I know I just work with swallowing all day. So it's, that's weird to say I'm a speech language pathologist because I do right. nothing with speech or language anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. now I just introduce
1: myself. I'm a voice pathologist. Or there you know, go. You could say I'm a swallow pathologist. Yeah. 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 So, I guess what really um, is the key takeaway point for muscle tension dysphagia is it's non specific and it's multifactorial. And Beautiful. then um, the most uh, common complaint is just general difficulty swallowing solids. And throat discomfort with swallowing, feeling like they didn't finish swallow. Interesting thing is, um, on a, a swallow study, uh, somebody swallowed a pill. They swallowed just fine. And then, but they keep saying, there's a pill stuck in my throat. Way long past, long after they finished the swallow. So that means whatever happened in the throat was, as the pill was coursing through the, the pharynx and whatnot, it irritated it. Yeah. Just, that sensation just persists. And uh, it, that, that's really, uh, that speaks to the power of the brain in terms of defending the throat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And in the study, the people with signs of LPR were significantly more likely to experience the sensation of food sticking in the throat. And then they had more tendency to exhibit the other signs of laryngeal hypersensitivity. So, so when I say laryngeal hypersensitivity, laryngeal hyperresponsiveness, people can just think of cough, PBFM, globus, you know. And then when they're looking at the, the laryngeal exam, they tended to in exhibit inappropriate adductory motion of the vocal fold, even during quiet breathing. And um with phonation, there's always this supraglottic muscle tension it's not always mediolateral it could just be anthropoposterior or mediolateral or it could be circumferential but everybody has a different way of manif- manifesting this and i had one patient who actually was so guarding her vocal folds that she phonated with the epiglottis vibrating against the posterior pharyngeal of wall oh goodness I know that's how much she like the good larynx was just like on guard. It wouldn't yeah, come wow. together. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to help you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of the techniques that I've been using a lot to unload the laryngeal muscle tension, obviously very common in voice therapy. circumlaryngeal massage, counseling as needed, semi occluded vocal tract exercises low diaphragmatic relaxation breathing, and resonant voice. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Christina. Sure. This has been so great.
1: Yeah. So if people are interested in learning about um, these voice therapy techniques, but they don't have training in voice, then um, I, I personally have a page on Facebook called The Voice Forum. Okay? All right forum. It has a pink larynx in the yeah. cover photo, And on the video section, I have uploaded a lot of basic voice therapy techniques. Okay. So that's free for all. Awesome. And all right. Yeah. It goes to 45 countries and then it, it has close to 10,000 followers and it's a very active community. There, there are multiple um, interviews uploaded, you know, Dr. Stemple and um, Ingotitza, and many laryngologists and um, voice
0: pathologists up there, and then we ask them questions and they answer, they give our opinions, and it's very interesting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great, Christina. Thank you so much. Is there any final words or anything? Oh,
1: boy. Um, should they find this very difficult to understand? Of course, they're welcome to reach out to me. My contact info is on the paper. Yep. But it's kong.christina at All they, right. You can email me with any questions. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Christina. Sure.
0: So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on swallowyourpridepodcast.com, where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.